this is kind of a uh, law and order style intro. So imagine the dun-dun. In the fly fishing world, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, those who take themselves seriously and those who do not. These are the tales of those who certainly do not. So buckle up. This is another episode of Cast Your Faith, the podcast. Or something like that. I don't know. Are we in, in podcasting? We're in podcasting. It just said, in yeah, we're in podcasting. In podcasting. podcasting. Okay. I, I thought I saw somewhere in our pre-show meeting that there was a, a story about like an attack squirrel. Oh, no, no. That's oh. for that's for a different one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. That's not, this, that, that's not this episode. I didn't know how he was going to pass up that to no i claimed that one one. um makes more sense to me then yeah so um here we are we're recording episode 16 please hit the cough button from now on yeah i I leaned away from the mic i pulled a brian (laughs) and got away from it um now i've been running full speed and realized when i got here that i i don't think i've had water to drink all day totally unprepared (laughs) yeah that's all right i was Um, in such a hurry my wife had to run an errand when we got home so got the kids fed got the little one down for a nap emily's rushing out the door and i hear crack what the hell is that and i walk out and she goes i don't know what happened i looked and the gate wasn't behind me and then i just ran into it (laughs) (laughs) it's an eight foot wooden gate on rollers how do you miss that Oh, well, she she told you it wasn't there before. Yeah, it, she just it, jumped right in. It moves at the speed of smell, so I have a hard time <laughs> imagining it wasn't directly behind her at the time. But yes, yeah, so that's how I spent my in between uh, church hours was deadlifting a uh, gate back onto the the track. And let me tell you, it's not as much fun as it sounds no, like it would no, be. No, I uh, I've I've had to move a few of those, and uh, the last time I had to do it, this was a twenty footer. And uh, I had like a crowbar and some blocks and I was going to do this whole thing. But then I remembered that I had a couple of masons working on another house, like two blocks away. So I don't know if you know this about masons, but they throw concrete blocks to each other They're all day long. Strong, yeah. They ran over and they picked this thing up like it was, I don't know, like one of these plastic folding tables and they just put it down. And I was like, fine. What okay, thanks. Here's 20 bucks. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, okay. So we're episode 16. I don't have on my notes when this is going to air, but in a couple of weeks and um, we've gotten back from our fly fishing trip at Beaver's Bend. Clay, would you like to introduce our guest? I would. Uh, tonight we have the honor of having Chris Shoddy of Beaver Bend Fly Fishing Guide Service join us tonight after successfully somehow putting our entire group on fish. And Chris, I don't know if you know this, but because you probably don't listen to our podcast, which is the recommended way to uh, to consume it. Um, but we've spent, I don't know how many episodes talking about how Clay cannot catch trout. So uh, maybe you stand up in the river. Well, I mean, yeah, you'd have to. Usually he swims and does not catch trout. So to I don't remember, did you who fell in? Somebody fell in, didn't they? It was not I. Well, good. I can't no, I remember. Don't. Maybe not. We were in the advanced group with Chris, so obviously none of us fell. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what went on in the remedial group. Maybe it was Jeff fell in. Now that would make sense. That that would make total sense. You're you're speaking of your your star employee, Jeff Preddy, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) My my favorite line still of of y'all's 
trip that was told to me was Jeff asking you how you could tell it was a male <laughs> that he caught. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's appropriate for the podcast. No, no. no. Good biology lesson, though. Yep, yep. yep. So, so Chris, uh, we like to ask all of our guests this, but how did you get started in this? In fly fishing. And yeah. Uh, when I was eight years old, my grandfather, back in the day when you had the five and dime stores around, and at the checkout, there was those old whiskey barrels, you know, big tall ones, and they had bamboo fly rods in there by the hundreds of them at the checkouts and kept eyeing them and eyeing them and eyeing them. And one day my grandfather bought me one, said, gave it to me and said, I don't know how to use it. You'll have to find out for yourself. Wow. And I did find out. <laughs> I found out one thing, you can't cast them in an enclosed marina. <laughs> you just have to stick it over the side and you know feed line out off of your reel down to the where the crappie are and boom 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 one advantage over everybody else had the little short poles well i had a big long bamboo pole i could reach out nine foot or more out or eight and a half foot back in the day all the way out and i could get to crappie where no one else could the invention of Euronymphing. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was tight line. Just put a little weight on there and whatever you we were using, I don't even remember what we were using. Probably a worm or something like that back in the day. <laughs> that, that is awesome. That's and yes. so that launched you. Obviously, you got to the point where it became more than than just a, a pastime you've you've now turned it into something you do professionally what was that transition like for you um i had kind of that's one thing that i had time to kind of plan out to do the last few years that we had owned our our other business that we sold in texas before we moved up here and i had the ability to just come up here and spend you know a month two months at a time and figure out the river so I and that's really i mean that. that's that's what makes you successful right is that that you spend 300 days a year in that river fishing it learning it knowing the rhythms knowing the bugs knowing the fish um pretty much i mean you gotta be i mean if you just drive up out there and you, the last time you were here was four months ago and there were fish where you drove up to well the day you drive up there there's more than likely not going to be anything where you went and caught last time they could be just up they could be just down they could be in a whole different spot because the river changed uh rocks like you know at times we'll go out there and we'll kick up rocks to create a little more of a channel into one spot i'm sure you kind of saw rocks sticking up out there where you know it looked like somebody had a rock stack out there and somebody kicked it over well, something similar to that, but, you know, you can create a little more of a channel and divert some water where it needs it or where it doesn't need it or where you think it doesn't need it. It always gets changed because somebody will come up and say, well, I want it to go this way or, you know, somebody will always change something out there, which that's why I say you almost have to be out there on a regular basis to, you know, know what they're hitting on and the time of day they're hitting and stuff like that. 
Because it really is, it's, it's difficult, even if you're, you know, technically proficient, it's difficult to run into a new river, hop out of the truck and just go, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put fish in the, in the boat, right? It's just, it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, because what you have may be, you know, a little big, say if I were going over to the white or something like that, the stuff we use here, not near big enough, because that's basically a real river over there, even though it is, uh, it's not really a tail race like we have here. It's big. Yeah. So your insects would be bigger a little bit. Uh, your fish with streamers were here. I mean, there's days for streamers, which may be three or four in a year. <laughs> <laughs> More like out on, the, out on the drift boat in deep water. That's when you would use a streamer here. Um, but just regular fishing like we were when we were, when y'all were here in the shallow water. I mean, I don't see how you can really use a streamer that effectively. So just different bugs, different sizes. McClay will always try to use a streamer, no matter the water he's on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his favorite is like a two aught. Right, D and D. Yeah, the two aught D and Ds. Yeah, they are the, great. Yeah. Big bugs, big fish. No big bugs, no fish. <laughs> we always got to practice using it sometime. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of practice. He's got a. He's got that. He's got that twelve-inch long streamer on his four weight, just cracking himself yeah. in the back of the head. Yeah. I like to fling big things. Yeah. So, okay. So I've got, I've got a couple questions for you. So you, you, as a little kid, you know, you got your fly rod and you're doing that. And then you, you know, this has been, you're going into being a guide has been almost a, uh, almost a retirement job, right? I mean, it was, um, you sold your business in Texas and moved up here. So, so, um, at, as you're, you know, just being an, an average angler, I suppose, coming up, having a real job and all that, when, when did you decide and, and what made the decision of, okay, we're going to, we're going to get out of this business. We're going to move up to Oklahoma and we're going to, I'm going to do this fly fishing guide thing. Um, I spent six years on the board of the lower mountain fruit, uh, fork river foundation. Y'all might know of that. I'm sure you've heard of it. We have uh, two terms on the board, which three-year terms is six years. So that's another, you know, I would come up here for a month where say like they're fixing to have the mystery fly next month. Well, I would come up two weeks or so before and spend a week afterward. That way I could, you know, know the river pretty much and know where to go. <laughs> I mean, cause you know, it's one of those things, you know, you might come up for the tournament and you were here six months ago. Well, you know, you're going to take off to that one spot where you caught fish last time. Well, nine times out of 10, the, the fish are not there. They're somewhere else. So it's been a little time on the river. That's the difference. Um, that's when I decided to, the first term, I decided to pretty much, that's what I was going to retire to do. Retire up here. We bought some land about 10 years ago here for retirement thinking well well you know it's one of those things where you plan out that's going to take years to do well once we sold our house we pretty much had to move so <laughs> <laughs> and where we moved from they would say well the realtor would say this is before the way the real estate market is now year year and a half to sell your house well we sold it in 30 days so we pretty much had to accelerate the plan a whole lot because we didn't have anywhere to live, but we still had the business there. 
then we got lucky, sold that in like 60 days. So nice. Yeah. We had to really accelerate doing what we wanted to do for retirement up here. So it's all worked out. Yeah, I know we were talking when we were on the river and, you know, you had sounded like you intended to retire and instead of being the, the greeter at Walmart, you were going to take people fishing and kind of take it <laughs> yeah. easy. And, uh, and now well, you've I might got... still do that. I got the clothes for that. I can dress okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, did you tell me that you have, you have six guides working for you? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that's more than, uh, than just a little retire. I mean, you got a full blown business going now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> been lucky. <laughs> been lucky. Well, you know, somebody comes up and says, "I've got eighteen people in a bachelorette party." You're going to go, "Oh hell yes, we'll take you." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, I'm sorry. How 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 often are you taking interest? bachelorette parties? Well, we were ha- we had one booked for this weekend. Uh, this past weekend, I think it was on a Friday, but I mean, I don't know if you watch the temperatures, both days we were fishing in like, I think one day it was 14 or 16 and the next day was 19 and they called and said, uh, I think we're going to maybe reschedule on a girls group later on in the year when it's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> now you... You actually, right? We did. But yep. We're we're tougher than your yeah. average bachelorette party. Slightly, slightly. Yeah, yeah. y'all camped out. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you didn't you guys do a big photo shoot with uh, Real Housewives of Dallas or or something like that? Yeah, that was uh, what twenty twenty August. We did that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it aired, uh, I think, March of 21 or something like that. We did it in August, and you know how TV shows are. They'll shoot a scene or something, and uh, it'll come out later on when the series comes out. Or, you know, and Ours was the last episode they did on Hochi Town up here. They did us and several other businesses around. Um, Charles Benton, the mountain man, yeah. you know, the you know, You've seen Charles up here. The where's the camo, a big gray beard? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did that with they did us, they did him, several other places. So yeah, we got they just called us up and said, Would you be interested? Yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out pretty good. Let me, see if, let me see if I have any uh bachelorette parties coming in that day. Yeah, really. <laughs> What now they wanted to go it. you were telling us that the number of trips you did last year how many trips did you do last year uh over a thousand that's incredible it really is i mean this is a quiet little fishery that i don't think a lot of people are all that aware of but when you hear things like you did over a thousand trips maybe i'm just wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well yeah a little bit (laughs) (laughs) cats out of the bag kind of thing yeah uh pretty much big time sure where are uh where are most of your clients coming from i mean i know a lot of dfw people head up there is it from all over um all over i'm gonna say 65 percent probably dfw 60 65 and then you got louisiana arkansas uh yesterday i had two guys from north georgia 
there's, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but up around Ella J and Helen and all is where the trout rivers are up there. Mm -hmm. That's good fishing. We used to live out there and these guys, they'd fished out there with spin rods, you know, and always those rivers are kind of like here. They're rocky, rocky bottoms. They'll have boulders sticking out. And they've tried a few times with spin cast gear up there and getting hung up. Well, they come all the way to Oklahoma to learn how to fly fish to go up there to fly fish. <laughs> so I'm guessing you didn't tell them that they could have found a guide uh, there in Georgia. You just went ahead and took the money. <laughs> when it was over. <laughs> Unicoi Outfitters up there is the good outfitter for the uh, North Georgia area. So if you ever go out there, look them up. They got a really nice shop. It's really good really nice people uh been in there several times over the years so really nice place unicoi outfitters um so I, I i pay attention to what you guys are posting up on social media and whatnot and it seems like you have a, a very high percentage of first time fly anglers yes what um I guess if you were going to give a piece of advice to someone that is a first time fly angler that's going to book a trip that you know wants to whether it's with you or going somewhere else um what if they were gonna you know if they want to get serious what would you like them to do before they they come up and see you don't watch too many youtube videos because <laughs> <laughs> you can develop a pretty bad habit <laughs> real easy to do yes uh, and once you get there, listen to what the guide says. It may not always work out, but most times it does. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like most people, um, us included, will make this harder than it needs to be sometimes. That's uh, exactly it. Don't overthink it. Yes. Yeah. We are the kings of overthinking. <laughs> or conversely we're also really good at just not thinking about it at all yeah yeah we we managed to yeah. strike a balance of um overthinking our un, unplanned stupidity that's the um... <laughs> we try to plan our spontaneity yeah that's really the key to it right uh, yeah so um okay so if we'd put that as sort of the biggest uh the biggest faults right as people come in and they're trying to make their 80 foot you know hero casts across a 20 foot wide river um and uh and and overcomplicating things what exactly. what do you see is i mean sort of along the same lines what do you see when people are having good success on the water what what do you think makes the difference there i try to teach people that if they want to get further over do it in increments you know two or three feet at a time cast that until they're comfortable and then three more feet or more, you know, just whatever they feel comfortable. But there always comes a point to where either it's the rod or the cast folds up like an accordion. And right there, I know when to tell people, well, let's reel three feet of line back in and we can walk a little closer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That's Chris told me that a lot. I was uh, I was nipple deep in the water. By the time I got close <laughs> I was, Why don't you take a few more steps forward? I was like, I would need a snorkel if I could. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, Chris is two feet taller than you. So. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about something, and uh, Jeff goes, "Yeah, man, it was a." Uh, it was up to my belly button at one point. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, "Should be over your head, probably." <laughs> funny, funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, another thing I would like to say is, since you're wading in a river, you can actually walk right into them and cast outwards of where they're actually at and never get a bite. So if you're usually if you're walking in you know, belly button deep or nipple deep, you're standing right in where the fish are. (laughs) (laughs) What's bad is when I get that deep. Yeah, Yeah, except usually your feet aren't on the ground anymore when you are. Yeah, it's just kind of drifting down. Point the feet out. (laughs) Your water losing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I, and every time I fish with a guide, it, it's, I'm reminded of this, but, you know, when we were fishing with you, you, uh, you were, when we weren't, you know, we'd take two or three casts and then you're taking the indicator off, putting an indicator on, changing flies, doing this, doing, you know, constantly changing stuff up. And, um, and I find that one, I don't usually want to do that because I'm lazy and I don't want to change flies. And, uh, but I, I was, I was kind of struck by the, the, I, the mentality of, you know, I felt like you knew that there was a fish there and it was just, um, we, we're just going to try a few things until we figure out what that fish wants. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. So do yeah, you, that do was you... noticeable, right? Because I think a, a lot of us, especially just amateur fishermen, yeah. mm-hmm. I will fish the same two flies <laughs> with such conviction and certainty yeah. for an hour and a half. And then I'll go, you know what? I should probably keep these same two flies and just size down a little bit. Right. Yeah. Or, uh, or move 10 feet upstream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, so do you have a system in that? I mean, do you have sort of a, a mental checklist that you go through when it comes to changing flies or indicators or, you know, is there an order that you go into? Um, not specifically. I go by cast count sort of. Say you cast 10 times in one spot and don't get a bite where you got a bite before. Well, first thing I'll do is fish it like a grid. I'll pull off two more feet of line because, you know, trout, they'll move two feet up, down, or sideways to get something to eat. Not much more than that. They may follow something around, but most times they'll just move two foot. So if they see your fly coming over above them, they'll come up and get it, right? But if it's not something they're eating, you try to go out a grid or two and see if there's one there that'll bite what you're throwing, which, you know, if you do it that way and you had a bite previously, eventually you'll run out of bites on whatever you're throwing. So that's when you would change it up or change a different style, like take your indicator off and, you know, do the little short strips like we were doing, not stripping like a streamer, just pop, pop, pop. And that adds, if they're not taking on a dead drift, then they have to have some movement to see to get it. So, or, you know, if, if they're not biting hard, they might take it because it's some morsel is trying to get away right quick. And that's kind of what I go by, cast count. I mean, because people can get bored, you know, standing in a spot and they've cast 20 times in one spot and, you know, we're there to put you on fish. So, 
we know they're pretty much in there because we've caught a few out of there or they've we've had some takes out of there and once you fish it like a grid with the same thing that's when you know to either change take the indicator off or change up your flies and see what they'll hit it's more of an intuitive thing sort of than a progression of but a little of both more art than science and that was certainly the feel i i left with was chris was you know like you i, I fished with a few guides here and there and uh the best thing about chris is he was very cool just unflappable um which is i think always a reassuring thing uh with a guide but number two you could tell that he was really confident in what he was doing he knew that there were fish there and that kind of makes you feel confident as well i think yeah. as a as mm -hmm. someone fishing with a guide well, Annie put us on a, a absolutely wonderful lunch. Um, it was a great view, and uh, <laughs> gotta say, that was uh, the um, best burger I've ever had. <laughs> I bet you couldn't even tell me what was no. on that. Burger. No, you have no idea. Yeah. yeah, I like how Clay's in the woods with a bunch of guys for twelve hours, and all of a sudden, any female becomes the most attractive female he's ever seen. And it's not just that he's convinced that they're attracted to him. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> geez, that's what's really part. is that. Like, oh yeah, she was checking me out. I was like, dude, she was dialing nine one one. Look, Chris could have told him I had already poisoned the pool by the time yeah. you guys got there. We sat down and that waitress looks at me and goes, what will you have to drink? And I said, a beer. And she goes, uh, kind of early, isn't it, hon? That's right. I remember that. Goes, yeah. No, I don't think so. No. She goes, oh, okay, well, I'll bring you a beer and pray for you. you yeah. <laughs> so your your chances were done before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, she was yeah, never going to yeah. give you any time mm -hmm. around with humans yeah. like yeah. us. She did see my fish pick, though. Which was humiliating. Yes, yeah, yes. Two eighteens, no. <laughs> man. So, so Clay puts this picture on Facebook. It's the one with him like holding the fish, and he's all like, he's got one eye going this way and one going the other way. He's just so, yeah, yeah. And uh, in my, his mouth, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, and yeah. Ron is about, and my wife looks at she's going through Facebook, and she's she just kind of does this start, and she's like, that is a disturbing picture. <laughs> And she knows Clay really well. So, I mean, just oh. imagine if you don't. Oh, oh. So how short of a state record were those that I caught? Oh, I just, I just got it. Oh, man. <laughs> they couldn't even see state record. Yeah, yeah. Record. Oh, my goodness. And it's it just gotten worse, Chris. He's like, yeah, it was weird. We had to use two nets to land. Oh, God. My guy had a gaff, which I thought was so weird, but thankfully, thankfully. Oh, well, I guess yes. it's time. And I don't know if I think it's time yet. Well, one, we also, we we went through formatics on the air. I've written it down. It's sitting right in front of me, and we still blew right past it. I still mean, yeah, yeah, still didn't do it right. Um, and that's okay. I've got, I've got one more question for you, though. Um, sure. What's the craziest thing that you've seen out there guiding on the lower mountain fork? Other than clay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> craziest thing. Um, it's happened twice. You know where the bluffs are? Where, I don't know if y'all fished sure. up there, but yeah. you know where mm -hmm. the bluffs are right there. Well, they've changed it a little since y'all were here, but you know, right at where the water comes around, there's that whirlpool right there at the top 
and you can walk in there and it's it's good seven foot deep i mean it's it's deep right there it's one of those things where you walk up two steps and it gets deeper and deeper and you go like i wonder if i should take this third one you know well don't because you're gonna float <laughs> anyway we go out there first thing in the morning um couple from louisiana i put the the woman in right by the whirlpool because usually it's a that's a good sign if you catch a fish or get a take right there then there means there's fish kind of right in that area so we're there the other morning i mean right at daylight i mean just literally you could see a white indicator floating around out there and i'm standing right there next to her and the indicator goes down and she misses the set and i said just leave it leave it uh float and about that time, this big beaver just comes right up at the end of the fly rod. I mean, literally, and just looks at us. And then just goes back down and swims off. And the next thing I know, she's running back to the trucks. <laughs> alligator, alligator. <laughs> rod, line, and all. <laughs> I look at her husband, and we're both just cracking up laughing. What is alligator, alligator? She's screaming and taking off. And I just... I had to go sit on a rock. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened twice. It's people from Louisiana are fun to go with. I'll put it that way. You never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> oh. You can say that about Cajuns in almost every yeah, I mean, that's just that's never know yeah. what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, I like to say I studied abroad in Louisiana, and uh, it's uh, it's a whole it's a whole different world. Uh, Put that on a cracker, dude. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Um, what is the best way to get in touch with you? If people want to go fishing with you. Uh, phone call. Uh, five eight zero five eight three four four one two. Uh, Facebook, Beaver's Bend Fly Fishing Guide Service. Uh, website, Beaver's Bend Fly Fishing Guide Service.com. Okay. Well, I will put those in the, the notes on the podcast and the YouTubes. And, and I will say, yeah, I, I don't, I think I speak for all of us. I, I can't recommend Chris highly enough. Uh, Thank you. They're great guys, super to fish with, um, very helpful uh down to earth uh just a quality experience all the way around thank you guys we appreciate it yes sir all right well we're gonna go into our cast your faith moment that we like to do at the beginning of the podcast but we didn't thankfully um, we got our whole interview out of the way before so <laughs> right yeah yeah i realized formatics be damned <laughs> I actually so i actually realized right as i started the interview process i was like whoops did it again um, Chris, thank you for answering that first question we're going to go ahead and put this on hold, hold. yeah yeah that was, that was my second one all right so um so i've been reading this book it's casting forward by steve ramirez and it is a um he is a central texas hill country writer and angler and the whole the book's really neat um it's he takes each of the uh the hill country rivers and it's not a it's not a guidebook but uh, there's some good info in there but he sort of tells a little story about going and fishing them and sort of the experience that he had and there's some definitely some spiritual moments in there and at one point he is talking about fishing on the lano river and it's you know i'm reading through the chapter and, th and this part struck me I, I even wrote it down um he said, deer stands silent at the river's edge, watching, just watching me, and then accepting, just accepting me. 
They know that I too share the space in between before and after. Like them, I am living now. And uh, it was one of those, I just, it really caught my attention, that idea of living in the space between before and after. And, uh, you know, when we read through scripture, we see, you know, we hear, you know, be still and listen for I'm God. And we're, we're told to trust in the Lord. And there's, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, there's a balance that we try to strike between, you know, we need to prepare for the future and have plans and whatnot, but it's very easy to not just take that deep breath and accept the moment that you're in um, and where you are and to listen and see if maybe there's some guidance of where to go. And I know that for me, and I've brought it up on podcasts before, a lot of times that the, the rhythmic act of being in the river of focusing on what you're doing of, um, you know, having that moment, it, it, it helps me focus in on that, that living in between the, before. The, the before and the after. What a yeah. great line. Yeah. Cause that I is. think, yeah, I, I think that we, a lot of times we focus a lot on the before and the after, right. It's really easy to get caught up on things that you wish you, that you had done and things that you might need to do. But, uh, so that's my, that's my cast your faith moment for all of you guys. Yeah, I think that's that was great. a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, shaming the rest I'd of I'd like us. to add a little bit to that if I could. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to be too. Every day I go out there to the river, I try not to take it for granted. You know, because you don't, not a lot of people get to do what I do. And to go out in such beauty every morning, I mean, it may be 18 degrees and your fingertips are froze off. And you can't feel what you're doing, but... <laughs> <laughs> it sure is fun being out there and being able to be out there. Uh, I really am blessed to get to do what I do. And I try to not take it, you know, not take that for granted. Yeah, that's a yeah. great example of living in the space in between, between the before and the after. after. That's, yeah. That's yep. insightful. Right. Well, so now, now that we've thrown formatics out the window, we've backed now. the bus up over them. Now, well, now is it time to hit the theme? Now it's time to hit the theme. All right. Squirrel Center Watch Center. All right. All right. Chris has no idea what he's getting into right now. I don't know. As you can tell, we have a lot of production value that we put into this podcast. It's hours and hours and thousands of dollars of marketing research. That's right. That's right. I believe you've got, you have the helm. I do. I do, Chris uh, or Jeff. Whoever. Yeah. Whoever's out there, you know. So, as many people as, as the four listeners that we have know, I, I do have an affination for, excuse me, an affinity for Sasquatch. Affination. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Penicillin or something. <laughs> oh. So um, I just, I, I, I've done a lot of studying and it seems like, closest to dfw the 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 epicenter of bigfoot sightings have been taking place in hochatown and and broken bow have have you first of all is that how you pronounce the name of the town 
Hochitown. Hochitown. Yes, say Hochitown because if you don't, you say it differently. Everyone up here will know you're a tourist. Okay. <laughs> See, Hochitown. That's good to Hochitown. know. Yeah. Because when I said it, it was like I was clearing phlegm out of my throat. <laughs> 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 it was Yiddish when you said that. Let me ask you a question. Have you been to any nice places? <laughs> <laughs> So on, on, on your, on your expeditions, on your, 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 trails, have y'all ever, uh, maybe heard a couple of Bigfoot getting it on or, or Wait, why there? What? Or any kind of, of sighting, maybe even a footprint, uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only real sighting was well was we had a what was it um oh a local get together here at uh abendigo's oh maybe a couple of months ago local businesses it was oh it was when the choctaw nation was announced their new casino and stuff up here well the alcohol was flowing freely and charles got to talking charles bent Yep, yep, mountain man. And that's the guy that you would go to get your Bigfoot story from. All right, gonna have to look him up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, watch the last episode of Real Housewives of Dallas, the last, I think, season five, whenever it ended. That was the watch that. There's a All story right. on there. Yeah, that would go directly to what your question is. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Clay is going to have to excuse himself here for a moment. Yeah. I could not wait to get the report back on Clay watching <laughs> Real Housewives. <laughs> yeah. I shall do it. I know. I, yeah. We know. Yeah. It's a tough assignment, buddy. Right. Thank you yeah, for thank stepping you. up. Yeah. I don't know why you slipped into the Mrs. Featherbottom accent for that. It's the only accent he can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Chris, okay. man, thank you so much for humoring us uh, on this episode. And also, well. more than anything, man, for believing in us and taking us out on that trip. And, hey, <laughs> nobody died. And we all caught fish. Yeah. And y'all actually made it out on the river. Uh, the guys I had yesterday, they went to Abendigo's when they got here, drank. And then they went to the Town Saloon and drank until they closed at 4 a.m and met me at the oh. at, yeah at yeah. 5 30. sounds like something you would oh, do no. Kenneth. That is awful. <laughs> i mean you those imagine? guys were <laughs> they were pickled <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i didn't drink friday i didn't so now as soon as you, i you, you made I up started, for it yeah, yeah i made up for it saturday Let's as soon clear. as we got yeah. back friday no yeah it was thursday night you didn't thursday drink. You were oh it was friday and, night um, friday, friday night. you had at least yeah. six beers at, oh, at least oh, i had yeah. like six and we bottles. discovered the greatness <laughs> <of> screwball. <laughs> yes yes we did thank yeah. you screwball yes, yeah. yes. and buffalo trace <laughs> yeah. yeah you were in, in rare form oh. yeah and then the western suns vodka I got know, mixed with it's... every flavored seltzer water known to man yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. you had a special evening oh, um oh. um Okay. Well, that's that's for another time. That, that is, is. That is. It's another episode. <laughs> Thank um, you. Chris, appreciate Thank it. You Thank so you so much, much, brother. All right. Welcome. See you okay. on the show. Yes, yeah, sir. We'll the show. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.